All right, so uh, while I'm getting set up here, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. And um, I was reading this morning in Proverbs 25, and it says that for like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. And I was thinking about how we carry good news from a distant land, so to speak. We carry news from another kingdom, and there's people who are, who are thirsty. They're, they're dying for like, this is a parched, dry world in terms of there being life here. You know, and uh, I think it's Psalm 84. It says, we pass through the Valley of Baca, making its springs. The Valley of Baca was a desert valley. And so part of what God's called you to do is make dry places bountiful again, to bring life to these dry places. And oftentimes it lies in the hearts of men and women, but it can also obviously affect it. We want it to transform our communities, transform our cities. And when I was in seminary, you know, the Lord, uh, he told me, we, we had a Christian education class, which is, if you were going to major in Sunday school, like you had, the, that was your education. That's the best way I know how to describe it, but... Um, and so he said, all right, I want you to write down a dream you have, like a dream with God that only God can do. And, and I said, so I wrote down, I said, I want to take over a city with God. And probably that was like 2003, 2004. And then, uh, you know, 14 years later or so, the Lord was talking about 100% of Athens being saved, reminded me of that promise. And then he said, Travis, do you remember what you said in Christian education? And I was like, yes, Lord. And he said, I took you seriously. And it's not that it's like, man, I'm going to be on this stage. It's, it's the whole church. It's just I'm going to get to partake in it. That's the promise of me. I have no idea what kind of role I'm going to play. But I just get to partake with the Lord and seeing Athens transformed. And Jesus is about nations, but nations start with families. Nations start with cities, with states, and onward. And I do believe that God is like starting a grassroots movement in the church. And it's just not getting a lot of press for a lot of different reasons. But there's like rumblings and birth pangs and, and things that, that God is stirring in the spirit, stirring on the, on the grassroots level. All right. So I want to talk about waiting on the Lord. And uh, this is, you know, Isaiah 40. This last three, these last two or three verses are very famous verses. You know, it's anytime you're feeling worn out, you're feeling discouraged. Most of us have heard verses 29 through 31 where it says, he gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, 
Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help right now. We ask that you would open up your word, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, uh, I forgot how to pull my notes up on this. I don't need them. <laughs> I want to run through Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, you could probably do like five weeks on. I'm not, I was tempted to do that, but I really felt like the Lord was wanting to hone in on, on waiting on the Lord. But Isaiah 40 is actually a very important chapter about the end times. We're not going to get into that, but I do feel like it's important to kind of figure out what the, the context is. But verses 1 through 2, God is calling people to comfort Jerusalem. And I've got probably another word coming on down the pipe about God's heart for Jerusalem. But I've never, I've always, you know, I've celebrated the Jewish feasts and I've know it's important to the Lord, but this past week, the Lord showed me something in Romans 11 where I was like, and then he confirmed it twice in the same day about his heart for the Jewish people and, their, and how key they are to the harvest, to the end time harvest. Verses three through five, it's the call to prepare the way of the Lord. This is something that God has called us to as a church. Isaiah 62, two, 62 verse 10 basically says the same thing to clear a way for the Lord, to make ready a people, to build up a highway. Verses 6 through 8, God's plans, purposes, and promises that, that are going to last forever. Verses 9 through 11, talk about the mighty warrior who is a tender shepherd. Man, I love that picture of Jesus. Mighty warrior and tender shepherd. Verses 12 through 20, talks about how the Lord has all power and wisdom. Verses 21 through 26, the Lord has power over all nations. And then 27 through 31 is the practical application of receiving strength. And so before we get into those last verses, I want to look at verse 6 in Isaiah 40. It says, a voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? And then the Lord tells him, this is the message. All flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The Lord's saying he's looking for messengers whose message is going to be all flesh is grass. This world is temporary. We are all, we're, we're all eternal beings, whether we know Jesus or not. And so, uh -oh, I got kicked off. Do it the old-fashioned way. Where's the clicker? The old-fashioned way. And so, uh, and so, I just think that this is interesting, that one of the, the end-time messages is declaring all flesh is grass, folks. 
It's going to wither like the field that's here today and gone tomorrow. Life is fragile. And that's, what's the shaking of 2020? What did it do? Hey, everything's fragile, guys. Everything's fragile. The economic systems, very fragile. Government systems, fragile. Life, fragile. So that's what the shakies do. They awaken us to this, this truth. All flesh is grass. Sometimes behind the back works. Sam, move it for me. Super old-fashioned today. So he gives strength to the weary and to the ones who lack might. He increases power. Though use, this must, uh, a guy from up north must have done this translation. Though use grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stubble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. All right, next one. And so I want to talk about this waiting on the Lord. And this word wait out of Isaiah 40 that we just read is this word kavah. And so sometimes we get a picture of waiting as just being like, you know, you're waiting on the bus stop, at the bus stop. You're waiting at the train station. You're waiting on whatever. You're waiting on supper to be ready. But this word wait, it's actually a much more active word than just waiting. You're engaging. So this word, it actually means to bind together. And so the picture I have is, is like a rope. You know, in Ecclesiastes, it says a, a strand, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so when I kept studying this word wait, I just kept seeing a rope of, two, of, of us wrapping ourselves around the Lord during these waiting times when we're waiting on the Lord. And we wait on the Lord every day, whether we know it or not. When we, when we spend time with the Lord and we sit and listen, listen means to wait. Listen means to wait. We have prayers that we're waiting to be answered right now. I believe every, probably every single one of us have some pray, unanswered prayers of right now, as of right now, because we're waiting on the Lord's timing. But it means to bind yourself together, to twist around, and to expect to look patiently to Terry. And so like the image is if somebody's hiding behind a bush and they're waiting on the, the prey to walk by and they pounce on the, on the prey. You're looking for the opportunity. You're looking for when God is moving, when he says yes to move, when he, say, when he gives you the word. You know, the Lord told me years ago, he said, Travis, you know, you, you're, you're a Joshua. I was like, thank you, Lord. That's a big compliment. And he says, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll go when I say go, but you just forget to ask me, you know, how high you should jump when I say jump. And I was like, I do do that. I still do that sometimes, you know, because I'm just, I'm waiting. I just like doing, Megan will tell you, I'm famous or infamous for jumping ahead in our meeting agenda. I'm like, all right, let's, let's knock this out. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And so we have meetings in record time. And um, I have to go back. I was like, I'm sorry. Do you have anything else on that? So I, I like to, I don't wait very well. I don't wait very well. 
And I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of us don't wait very well. Most of us don't wait very well in the sense of look at what the world is, progresses into less waiting. That's what the world is progressing into, less waiting. And so the ways of God will stand even in more contrast to the ways of this world. It was like, hey, you want to see God move? Be, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. And he, then he says, I will be exalted among the nations. So you're saying, Lord, if I, if I wait on you and I'm still before you, then you will exalt yourself among the nations. How does that work? And it goes, and it's because the Lord wants us to listen and he only wants us to do what he's telling us to do. And so we look patiently, we tarry, and we wait upon the Lord. All right, next one. So there's two kinds of waiting. There's the waiting for justice, and then there's the waiting on the Lord. So we wait on justice because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Right? You know, our house, when we lived in Fort Worth, we went back home to Georgia over Thanksgiving break. I was the first one to return home. When we got home, our, our, our house had been broken into. They never solved the case. And it was kind of low on the priority. You know, it was just, they were like, eh, this has been happening around the neighborhood, you know. And so, but I don't, this is what I rest in is that God is so, he's so able to restore anything that was stolen. My hope is not in the police. Jessica and I, I, I had a gallstones and I went to the, the emergency room, this again was in Fort Worth, 2007-2008 was, was a skillet time, I call it, where you're in the, you're in the fire. And so um, we, we called, it was on a weekend, it was actually on a Sunday, and we called the hospital because I just told, I was, I was in the fetal position for like four hours, and I just said, it did not look like it was backing off. And I said, we got to go to the hospital, I can't. I mean, it was some of the worst pain I've ever had. And we called the hospital. Hey, do you take our insurance? I'm like, yes, we take your insurance. Come on in. Well, I go in, and the doctor sees me, and they run some scans and give me pain meds, and they don't really know what's going on. Well, we get a bill for $10,000. And it turns out that the doctor that saw me was not in the hospital system. So she took a different, she didn't take her insurance. So we ended up having to pay cash. And we got it knocked down a little bit, but we ended up just having to pay $8,000 for a hospital visit when, I mean, essentially they gave us pain meds, right? So that was another one of those things where, where's the justice? And we tried to tell them, but they just, you know, they wouldn't budge. But this is the thing is that, the money, $8,000, man, that's like, that's like one of the end of God's eyelash. I mean, I don't know even how to describe it. That's, that's a drop in the bucket for the Lord. The things that were stolen out of our house, we got to upgrade. We had a tube TV. They stole our tube TV. <laughs> I mean, that thing was like, this was, this, this was how big it was. It was about 80 pounds. And then we got a flat screen that's still in our house today. 
that we, that we got off of that. They stole our computer that was dying, and we got our first Apple laptop. So, like, the Lord, he restores. He takes care of you. And so vengeance is the Lord's. He's the one that brings justice. But when we, and he, he does it in his time and in his ways. And sometimes we, want, we may not see it until we're on the other side of the eternity. We, we are not to fret over evildoers, not get upset at wicked schemes being carried out. God's timing is usually different from ours. So this is part of waiting for justice. And because we don't like waiting, what do we do? We, do the, we take up the weapon ourselves and we try to get vengeance for ourselves. But God actually says to do the opposite. Bless your enemies and pray for them and feed them, give them water, whatever they need. And then there's the waiting on the Lord as we wait in his presence. And so I, I kind of want to focus in on this in terms of when, you, when we're spending time with the Lord and when we're, we gather together as a body like we're doing right now, is that there's, we want to wait on the Lord. We want to wait on his presence. It's the culture that we want to develop where we, we just don't want to think that we have good ideas and, and good prayers. Like prayer starts with the Lord. He tells you what to pray. That's how you can stay energized in prayer as you, as you pray what God's praying. We, we usually get wore out sometimes when we're, we're trying to think up what, what we need to pray. And so we wait for his word. We wait for our hearts to be strengthened. Kenneth Hagin, he said, you know, his, the way his time with the Lord looked like is he just prayed in tongues until the Lord spoke to him, whether it's the word, word to read or, or something else. We wait for answers. We wait for being in Holy Spirit's presence. And we wait to receive power from on high. Sam. So what does waiting do for us? First of all, waiting on the Lord is a flesh killer. It's a flesh killer. The word of the Lord is a sword, right? Holy Spirit, it says that the carnal mind can't comprehend the thoughts of God, right? So like when Holy Spirit comes, it, everything Holy Spirit does, it, it just kills your flesh. Because he's spirit. Right? And so, the things that he asks you to do, it, it may be inconvenient. It may be, it may be weird. It may freak you out. It may scare you. He's, the, the ancient Celts called the Holy Spirit the wild goose. They called him the wild goose. Because he's wild. And you cannot, he, he, you cannot tame him. And so like our flesh, what it does is it, it makes us like beasts driven by impulses. How many, how many of you believe that our world is driven by impulses? Do I, what's now? What's, what's uh, old Drakey boy say? Get caught up in my feelings or something like that? What, what, is, what is that? I get caught up in my feelings. And so this is what our, we're, we get driven by our impulses. And it's Proverbs chapter 30, verses 2 through 3 in the Passion Translation, it says, God, I'm so weary and worn out. I feel more like a beast than a man. I was made in your image, 
but I lack understanding. I've yet to learn the wisdom that comes from the full and intimate knowledge of you, the Holy One. Man, that dude just read my mail. Lord, I need your understanding. I know I'm made in your image, but I lack understanding. I don't want to be driven by impulses. You know, at the, at the end of Psalm 25, it, I mean, uh, Proverbs 25, it says, a man without self-control is like a city without walls. And self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so, what if you have such self-control that your life is a testament of Jesus because you're not driven by impulses, but you're only moved by the Spirit. You wait on the Lord. You wait on the Lord. And so whether we, we do outreaches, we want to wait on the Lord. Whether we, we spend time with God, we want to wait on Him. When we gather together on Sunday mornings, we want to wait on Him. When we go to small groups, we want to wait on Him. He's the star. He's the king. He's the, he takes center stage. Waiting also just strength, it strengthens our heart and our spirit, man. Ephesians 3, Paul says, this is the reason I bow my knees before the Father. That he, according to the riches of his glory, may strengthen you in your inner man through his spirit that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And so there's parts of our heart that still need to be evangelized, so to speak. There's parts of our heart that still need softening. There's parts of our heart that still need Jesus to become king. So it strengthens our heart. All right, next one. Bob Sorg, he, he says, King Saul discovered that it's easier to get a demon to talk to us than God. Will we pursue the voice that's easy or hold out for a word from God? He's referencing when Saul, Samuel, the prophet, had died. And he had gone four years, basically, since Samuel's death. And he was just making a mess of things because he was not seeking the Lord. And Samuel, who was kind of like his crutch with God, God's desire for Saul was for him to live a life like David did. But Saul didn't. So Samuel had been dead for four years, and he's like, I don't know what to do. I mean, Samuel's not here, but you know what? I'll just get a, a witch to summon up Samuel's spirit. I don't want to get into all that, you know, but ghosts and, and whatnot. But the point is, Saul sought witchcraft to get what he wanted. And a lot of times, so witchcraft is manipulation and control. There's been a lot of witchcraft going on in our nation. But it's on any level, national or personal, any time, manipulation and control is a form of witchcraft. And so he says, will we pursue the voice that's easy or hold out on a word from God? All right, next slide. And then I just want to talk about the eagle's wings. You know, eagles are known for their majesty and regality. They come across as confident and carrying authority. They're birds of rest and waiting. This is, it doesn't say you'll, you'll mount up with wings like the cardinal. 
when I see Cardinals flying, they're working hard. They're flapping hard. Or the hummingbird. But what do you, when you see the eagle, what are they doing? They're soaring. They stay up in the air for hours. But what eagles do is they have to trust that even when they push their young out to learn how to fly, they're, they're trusting for the, the eaglets to spread their wings and catch the wind and, and ride up. And so the Lord, it's, it's real simple, but it goes against the flesh. It's just for us to, to wait on the Lord, to ride his breath, to ride his wind, and to let him take us up where he, as high and as far up as he wants us to go. And I believe that there's some of us who have been in a, a molting season. Eagle, eagles molt and they almost starve to death when they molt because they can't hunt. They can't fly. But they pick off all the old feathers until the new feathers go back. And then they can fly again. And so some of you may feel like you're, you've been starving. You've been stuck in one place. <laughs> but the Lord's he's growing new feathers on you and he wants to encourage you he might nudge you out of the nest sometimes the Lord nudges us out of the nest with our circumstances and then we got to spread our wings and we got to trust the Holy Spirit in our life and so as I wrap up what if the band will come on up here we're going to spend time waiting on the Lord so like ministry time is going to be about waiting on the Lord trusting that Holy Spirit to speak to you trusting on the Holy Spirit to touch your body and there may be you know our, our ministry team myself Jessica we may see things and we may start praying for people okay and so this is part of just honoring holy spirit and, and growing in this as a church and as a culture so let's stand up and we're going to worship but i really want you to let holy spirit i want you to open up your heart to him